Welcome, welcome. You are listening to Once Upon a Stream, a Disney Plus podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Shook, and I'm here with my co-host, Megan Mann. Hello. That we've been fighting technology a little bit, but <laughs> technology, quarantine, it's not going to bring us down. We're, we're going to bring that magical, magical content for y'all. And speaking of magical, we are talking about Pixar's Onward, which has... Literally magical. True. And so Pixar's Onward had a very brief theatrical window. A whole week. That's, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> Well, I guess if you consider that, like, um, they had that sneak preview night, like, the week before it came out. There we go. So, so that brings it to two weeks, like, a week and a half, somewhere in there. We'll go a week and a half. (laughs) Yeah. So, it, unfortunately, it hit basically the same time all of the COVID-19 craziness happened, and so. Oh, which is so sad. That shortly thereafter on, so I believe it was for about two weeks ago, they put it on like Disney Digital. And so that way you have to go ahead and let people like buy and rent it and pay like actual money for it. But last Friday, um, it got released on Disney Plus. So now both Megan and I have watched it and, and there's definitely a lot to talk about. But first of just in the overall Disney news, because um, the world has turned upside down. Upside so, down. Very true. And so much like Onward, that there has been a lot of adjustments made to Disney's theatrical release schedule. And so even though we're, we talk more streaming here, that this is historic as far as anyone who's into Disney movies, film, anything like that or television, any of that. And so um, some of the big ones as far as in that adjustment, first off, Mulan was supposed to come out on March 24th. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. The biggest thing with that is as far as um, pretty much Disney has been counting on Mulan to make like... They put a lot, a lot into into promotion. Mm -hmm. Like a lot. Yeah, and so that's where basically between promotion and also it's a big budget movie, and so the production budget alone is at about $200 million. So pretty much Disney put the kind of investment for this movie to make to reach that billion-dollar checkmark, which is kind of insane to think about, but it's just the reality of the situation. Because and it's at a, this point... And it's a, an adaptation, or not an adaptation, it's a remake of a Disney classic renaissance property and so no one i i don't know anyone who doesn't love mulan like you can't get me like you know those songs like we talked about um in the last episode where like there are songs that you can karaoke to there is no one i know that wouldn't immediately jump up if they started hearing i'll make a man out of you it's that simple like i don't care if you love disney or not you know every lyric to that song and then it's one of those things where, um, like Aladdin, Lion King, say what you will about the quality, but they made money, <laughs> and so that's where we're kind of following that right. same trend and everything. And we'll get to the quality in future episodes at some point. But yeah, because I only just saw Aladdin. I only just saw it. I finally so got it's... over it. And was like okay. Because the biggest thing in terms of that, you were saying everyone loves Mulan only people who didn't were the Chinese and so that's where they really wanted to do a more faithful adaptation of the Mulan myth and legend because it is based in like actual Chinese culture not just what white Disney animators in the 90s think Chinese culture is and so that's where it was going to be a huge market for that so not having that market in place they didn't want to do that and then things kind of spread to the U.S. and the, basically the rest of the entire world where just it wasn't the time for it. But it is a big enough deal that they're not just going to shove it on streaming because they have put far too much investment in this. And oh yeah, they are taking such a huge financial hit with the parks right now, they can't like have their theatrical releases be big also suffer losses. Exactly. 
and so they have to they have to be smart about this so that got pushed to um that's going to be july 24th granted these things are still subject to change because right fingers crossed that movie theaters are still are open back up by end of july that would be <laughs> grand i'm yeah hoping for it sincerely I really am. literally but stay home people i have plans in june i gotta go to let me go out in june like please i know stay home y'all although i know our good our listeners are good people so oh yeah are staying home but make sure your friends are too because we all have that idiot friend and so everyone everyone and because of everyone's idiot friend <laughs> you're still inside for the foreseeable future but back on track then the other big move in that is also coming out in march was marvel's black widow and so that not anymore thanks so that was going to be in march and so that's going to be now in early november which is a popular marvel time slot that they do because then it gives them a few weeks and then also into thanksgiving to still have that there and so i think that's a good call black widow as far as movies are another one that it's just you know it's going to be successful in theaters so it but that's just, just because it's a marvel movie it's not it's a marvel movie that's not talking about quality although with i'm still genuinely excited because of the cast involved that oh for sure yeah so i i'm still highly optimistic about black widow as, as an overall movie and so that got pushed out and as of right now pixar soul which is set in june that's the earliest release in disney schedule that it's still tracked for that june 19th release date however considering like wonder woman got pushed out in the heights got pushed out so stuff from other studios has already left june entirely oh yeah it's probably going to get a switch at some point but that hasn't been released yet but what's interesting the biggest one as far as um so jungle cruise that was supposed to come out in july and it got pushed out to july of next year right there some studios are just saying you know what 2021 that's it forget it forget it we'll just 2020 we're just scrapping like we're scrapping the whole year and so i think it is because it is designed as a big summer movie Mm -hmm. and so that's the time slot for it and so pushing their other stuff back now their fall's going to get a bit crowded so it makes sense it's just it'll have its best chance next year oh for sure and another thing interesting in some of the film stuff that i've listened to was some of the stuff that was a few months out another reason why some of those are getting pushed out way further is because a lot of times like vfx that it takes till like even like two to three weeks before the release oh. date oh yeah when those are completed oh yeah so if because with some of those just because of like ndas and stuff their vfx artists aren't allowed to work from home just because they don't want leaks to happen oh yeah so if the special effects are shut down then the whole movie shut down just not the movie's just not done no so that's where pushing it out to next year will give the vfx artists because let's be real it's like there's some practical stuff and they did shoot some stuff on location but there's going to be a fair amount of green screen in that movie oh so, yeah yeah and so that's where like pushing that out is going to give the special effects more time to work on it because you don't want bad special go- effects because you don't want to be cats <laughs> and so <laughs> you don't want to be cats true. in any way <laughs> in any way Oh, that was harsh, but I liked it. Oh, man. Sad, but true. (laughs) And once again, another podcast for another day. (laughs) Not us. That There there are cats podcasts out out there as far as the the behind-the-scenes lore of everything that went down and how those poor VFX artists did not get their fair shake. It, it's fascinating. I, I recommend Googling it. Go on YouTube, look at Lindsay Ellis's video essay that came out this past week on cats. They, that's a fascinating deep dive in these weird quarantine times. But <laughs> yeah, so those are kind of, those are the shifts that happened. The other one, as far as not surprising, 
Artemis Fowl is going to come out on Disney Plus, and so yeah, I didn't really that like. One. I didn't really have like a lot of faith in that though. Speaking of weird movies featuring Judy Dench, that <laughs> yeah. So straight off of Cats, Judy Dench decided to don some elf ears and be an Artemis Fowl. It looks weird once again adapting a popular children's book long after that said children's book was popular (laughs) listen you know what she's old enough now where she's like i don't even care what i do anymore i'm a dame i've been i've been damed it's is that what it's called i don't know it's because it's knighted but she's not a knight the dame you know what she's a dame it doesn't matter so she's like i don't care i'm fine I'm going to do everything weird now. That movie's going to be weird. I don't think we're going to cover it unless we truly hate ourselves. But I think right now we we have enough things that we can talk about before we get to that. So Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But if you like the books, feel free. You'll be able to check that out on Disney+. And so that's kind of the Disney coronavirus update. Uh, So technical difficulties. Um, everyone's on the internet right now literally everyone's on the internet right now so (laughs) that's probably expect that in the next few episodes it's just going to happen we're working with what we got and I'm going to make do Um, so what I I was saying essentially is just that this is a big deal because like a Pixar movie is usually like a big tentpole it's a huge tentpole yeah that it's a like a big thing that like families go out to like theaters for and that so that's where it was surprising like oh it's getting on Disney plus like right away and so I think it really did kind of start the trend of getting those movies put on there because then you saw with some of the other studios like other big animated movies and other stuff that got pushed straight to VOD and so it's going to be interesting seeing how, like, the trends of everything all shake out due to these circumstances. Oh, absolutely. And I know I was so excited that Onward was getting put onto um, Disney Plus because I didn't get to see it. Like we, like we were just saying, like, it had... It was one weekend. It was, it was literally a weekend, and I had plans to go and see it, but um, then turned out that I could not go and see it because right, like the day after I had discussed it with the kids I take care of and like us going to go and see it our schools got closed down which meant within that following week then the movie theaters were closed down so it's like we can't even we can't even go and see it yeah <laughs> we can't go see it and I was so so excited for this movie i and that shutdown it went from like oh it's gonna be three weeks to like and then it kind of exponentially grew from there yeah we were originally supposed to be closed the school district i work in and you know the school district my nephew goes to they're right next to each other and it was originally for three weeks including technically two weeks if because our spring break happened in that time and then it got pushed to march 1st and now indiana is a state that is out of school through the rest of the year so (sighs) and it's just life just keeps getting pushed back further and further yes and so onward we go good good reference right there that was clever we love that i uh, i literally just patted myself on the back as (laughs) I'm wearing pajamas that actually have a pun on them. So my pun game is strong today. Oh, so strong. So strong. But it was... What did you think when you first saw the trailer? So I was like, okay, it's a cool concept. We'll see how it goes. That not to like make things super gendered, but I was like, I see Disney is going for the we need a boy movie basically is probably what the studio notes were of because a lot of their stuff recently has been very like female centric and so it makes sense of the shifting tides and all of that 
because you kind of see when you have like Disney Renaissance, like the princess movies for several years, and then you had your Tarzans, your Treasure Planet, your Emperor's New Groove shortly after. So we've we've had our like our Frozens and Moana and yada yada. So well, you know, Toy we- Story is fronted by two men. Two male characters. Toy Story's an anomaly in just that it's kind of an ensemble thing in a franchise unto itself. But yeah. Yeah. That's true. But um, it, what is interesting, that that's kind of very much how it's like framed in marketing and stuff, but it is just a very universal like story that's being told. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing was this is kind of the first time Disney or Pixar, well, Disney's done it a very long time ago in more like the like seventies and eighties with like Sword in the Stone and Black Cauldron, but Disney doesn't really deal with high fantasy often. And no, so, not often. Yeah, I mean, I so, guess you could say that, like you know, Frozen. There's magical powers. There's magical powers in Rapunzel, but they're all very. I guess you could say it's very subtle the way they do fantasy elements yeah you know because i mean like with moana there's fantasy elements in there an island literally is not going to come out of a volcano like it's not going to be a volcano turns into an island because it's it's not real like that's not a possibility it's full that's more folklore but they don't do necessarily like big high concept fantasy in that sense because you know you have the fairy godmother you have the fairies um, Where, no, you know, they, they, they did it with Maleficent. It's more like, so low fantasy of just in that, like, it's, because the terms of high versus low fantasy, low fantasy is considered where there's magical elements in an otherwise realistic world. And then high fantasy is where it's just, everything's fantastical. You got your elves and your wizards and unicorns and yada, yada, yada. Lord of the Rings is kind of the primary example of that um maleficent i would say it's definitely as far as definitely more in that high fantasy realm because i would say that and stuff but it's also very much tied to like a fairy tale so well yeah it's kind of its own thing where this is original high fantasy i guess would be what's kind of new about onward yeah and and so that was fascinating but the thing that or I was just, like, slightly intrigued by the trailer, but what, like, okay, I have to see it, is so, y- you have this cast, so you have Tom Holland. Oh, my God, this cast. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you have Octavia Spencer. You Chris have Pratt. Fifth best Chris, Chris, Chris Pratt. And so, that, um, it's, it's a solid cast, and... But you can't that, knock it, you can't knock two characters, three characters, who are very, very small but still make you laugh, which is Ali Wong and Lena Waithe, who I am obsessed with. I'm obsessed with Lena Waithe. They're the cops. And then yeah. <laughs> you have, um, oh, my God. Oh, my God, what is her name? Uh, Tracy. Tracy. Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman as the pawn shop owner. Like, those are just so funny. Well, at this rate, Pixar gets really great comedic talent, but what I do like is in a lot of these that it's not cast for having just that huge list at the end of the trailer of all the celebrity names, just a oh, yeah. buzzy, that they're chosen specifically for what they can bring to the character. I mean, yeah, and you think so, of Amy Poehler being Joy. Hello. Yeah, it, it just works. And <laughs> so there's like a specific purpose to it. And that's what I think kind of sets Pixar apart from other studios like your DreamWorks and your Illumination and that kind of situation. Or that I feel it's just we need to shove this with as many big name celebrities as we can just to get butts in seats. Although, I will say it was perfection when they cast Jay Burchell as, um, oh my god, 
I love how to train your dragon. How to train what? your dragon, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Why am I forgetting everything today? I swear quarantine is making me lose brain cells. Yeah, um, that's one of those instances where it's not necessarily a lister is when those things work out for like good character choices. Yeah, he was just but, perfect. He was just perfect. Yeah. That was a DreamWorks film. Um, but yeah, so um, this, like, I feel like Chris Pratt was the perfect person mm-hmm. for that role. And because of the Marvel stuff that even though it's just like briefly in really just one movie where they actually interact that yeah you know tom holland and chris pratt did have like that rapport with each other and since you had that brother dynamic it's really nice to already have that kind of bond and to be Mm -hmm. able to comedically play off of each other and we'll get into it deeper but it's just as far as their sibling bond just works it 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 really it did and like like i said that spirit of barley was perfect for chris pratt because you think of him as andy on parks and rec and you're like oh my god yeah that would translate perfectly to barley like so perfectly and then you know you have tom holland who everyone now associates with spider-man and you think about why he works as spider-man well he works as spider-man sweet precious yeah like you he works as spider-man because he's like vulnerable and nervous and like you know you just want to give him a hug. Yeah, and like and tell him it's going to be okay. And what I love is that Pixar takes like videos, like recording sessions and like mimics their facial expressions in the characters. And I think they captured Tom Holland so well. It's true. So well. Like you could see like the same way he like makes those faces in Spider-Man, he makes those faces in Onward and they're it's just fantastic. And then Two people we have to talk about who really embody their characters, although one is wild, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus as the mom. Yeah, and I was really surprised if, like, she definitely put on, like, a full-on voice for the role. I was surprised by that casting, if we're honest. Yeah, because she's worked with Pixar before in A Bug's Life, but that was... So long ago. And she's fantastic like oh yeah but i I was very surprised by this casting i was like huh okay she doesn't usually play like warm and fuzzy characters no and she has that in in this movie of like so she's so real quick just to kind of hopefully we're gonna get into spoilers here so hopefully you've already seen the movie but just to kind of get all on the same level your main cast Barley's the older brother, Chris Pratt. Ian is your younger brother, Tom Holland. That so Ian just turned sixteen. Um, Barley is like obsessed in, in in the longest gap year ever, right? <laughs> and he is says. obsessed with this game. Obsessed kind with of this game. That quest of yours, what it's called, but basically Dungeons and Dragons. And so yeah, because he even says where, like the campaign and the quest and yeah. And so it's basically we're in a society where things used to be in that kind of like high fantasy, just like they're elves, magical land and all that because they're they're little elves. They're elves. But it's just they're, that their dog quotes is a dragon. Yeah, and like, it's just that magic was hard to master, and so people just invented technology just to make life easier, and so people just kind of forgot about magic and everything, and so now it's basically like. A regular suburban atmosphere with just a kind of magical um, menagerie of characters magical overlay and kind of given over it and so basically that on ian's 16th birthday that at this point like you can tell the brothers didn't exactly get along because barley's like this huge personality and kind of this big and dork, like bumbling dork and ian's, ian's just super scared and just trying to fit in and is just a teenager he doesn't so have many friends that and they lost their dad when they were super young and so barley was just like a toddler and that ian was a baby and so doesn't even like have any memories of him at all and well the mom even said like he fought so hard to be able to meet you and so they don't even really state if he ever even got to see Ian. Yeah. So it makes it sad because he's like, I've gone my whole life with never knowing my dad. Yeah. And so 
it's just that they're dealing with this loss and on the 16th birthday and um, there was a, a gift to both of the sons that was tucked away in the attic and it turns out to be this magical staff that can bring them back for, for just 24 day. hours and so Ian gives it a go, but like can't quite fully do the spell, and so he ends up just being legs. So just like just legs. Half. <laughs> so then Ian and Barley end up on this magical quest to try to find this special gem to be able to complete this the spell, so that way they can actually spend time with their full body dad. Because he so wanted to see how they grew up. Four hours, yeah. Because he just want because he wanted to meet his sons and see how they grew up to be, and so. Then they kind of go on this epic quest, and so that's kind of just the the premise of everything. But what I enjoyed is that this is the first time in Disney where it's like, no, 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 no. It's not like a veiled quest. No, this is a literal epic literal quest. quest. Like, once they figure out that they have to start going on this journey, Barley's like, yes, epic quest. And it's like, oh, no, we're really leaning into that this time. Instead of saying, like, oh, we have to go on a quest to save Buzz. Or we have to... Uh, uh, or you just have, like, the the Campbell elements to it. Right, whereas this, it's like, out. no, 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 we are going on an epic, magical quest to get the things that we need. That's how this is going to go. Like, even the routes they were going on, <laughs> he was, like, the... He was just saying the, the most outrageous peril. stuff. Yeah, the path of peril and everything. So it's like, this is an actual leaning into it epic quest. And so it's definitely if you have like experience with those like role-playing tabletop games, that kind of thing, there's a lot of great Easter eggs and elements there of like call-outs to that. that oh, yeah. You'll definitely like find endearing. But even if you're not familiar with that, it's... I just appreciate that they just, they commit to it. And so... Oh, they lean into just, it it's hard. Part, it's part of the world. And so it just makes it fun and charming. And so, like, the person that they kind of reach out toward to really kind of start the quest off is there's this magical creature called the Manticore, which is like... The inn of the Manticore? <laughs> so it's like a lion and a scorpion and she has wings so it's like all these different things. Well, she's part and, dragon too because then she can breathe fire and has the yeah. dragon wings. And so, basically, that it's, like, at this tavern that's supposed to be, like, a rough and tumbles and everything. But basically, at this point, it's, like, a Chuck E. Cheese. It is. (laughs) And so, they, like, are trying to, like, get her to help. And it's fun of, like, she actually, they actually, like, push her to realize of, like, oh, wait, like, what have I become? I used to be, like, part of all these dangerous quests and things. And now I just run this, like lame restaurant and just I'm not my true self because I don't want to get sued and like different stuff right and she's like oh my god like real world things and so then she unleashes the beast if you will but they go off on their way to just continue on to the quest because they kind of have a clue of where it's going but they don't know that like there's this curse if they find like the special gem and stuff that that's going to unleash a dragon and all this stuff a stone dragon that's where Basically, so you have the main quest of Ian Barley and the legs of their dad. We'll just call Um, them legs. Yeah. That they're half dad. Um, (laughs) Basically going on this journey. And then you have a side journey of basically their mom. With the manticore? With the manticore just trying to catch up to them in order to like warn them about the curse and make sure that they're okay. And so... It's definitely, like, really great performances. That That's, with something of just, like, such a big concept like this, you need the performances to make you care. Right. Yeah. And, and let's... Otherwise, it's just a lot of lore, and if you don't have, like, the emotional stakes to back it up, then it's just empty. Right, I agree. And that's where I think that it's a good thing that they brought in Tom Holland because he's already proved that he can carry that emotional aspect of like the Spider-Man movies. And then it's good that you have someone like Chris Pratt because Chris Pratt is saying, well, not saying, but Chris Pratt is basically, he's proven through everything he's done basically that he can have that 
He could be outlandish and funny and over the top, but then he brings it back down and has that this earnestness and sincerity to it. Right. And that like you can even tell in when they're both of them are interviewed, not even just together, but separately, you see that earnestness in both of them and you see that sincerity in both of them. So I think that's where those two people were perfectly cast. Yeah, because it's interesting, um, earlier this week on the day it got launched on Disney+, Plus, the director of Onward, he actually did a live tweet, um, kind of along with the audiences, and someone kind of asked of like, what specifically did those actors bring to the role that, like, made it uniquely them to portray it? And one of the things that they first brought up is just that they wrote Ian to be very sarcastic and they're like Tom brought this level of earnestness to it that that just worked and so just made it super unique and then that having Chris as um, Barley that he was able to like you have the funny moments but then was able to get serious when needed and so Mm -hmm. I, I think that definitely tracks as far as like what makes their performances and their characters well-rounded enough to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like I cannot stress how much I loved Octavia Spencer as the Manticore. I just thought she was so, she was so much fun. She was so fun. And I like how, like how, how she just went for it. And she, yeah. like when she was explaining like, the curse breaker sword oh my god i was dying (laughs) because you think of octavia spencer and you think like serious roles like yes she has like little quips in the movie she's in like she had such good lines in the help and she had such good lines in hidden figures and there are so many movies where she has those like really funny lines whenever she's in a project it's always it's just so heavy right and so for her to be in this and for her to have such like for it and have fun like, right. I, I need more of the, her to get more of those roles because it was a delight because she brought it. Like her and Julia Louis-Dreyfus both brought such they levity to last. everything. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like when <laughs> I was telling my sister, one of my favorite parts is, okay, so in the beginning of the movie, they show um, their mom doing a workout video and like her saying, I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. And she's doing the workout moves. Because it's like, it's basically Zumba. Like, yeah. And then, then she's like. warrior. And then she gets, she gets the sword because the manticore can't get it. And she gets the sword and she like runs up the stone dragon like as doing her workout moves. And she's like, I'm a warrior. <laughs> and the sword switches out. to like the Zumba music. And it's, I, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was dying in that moment. I was like, this is quality right here. And that's what I think in all honesty is what makes Pixar so great because you have that because you know when you're going into a a movie like this you know that you're going to get upset because Pixar makes everyone upset they just do it's their natural state they go for the jugular they really do it's hurtful but we we know what we're going in for um and so we know that and I will say too as far as on the scale like the Pixar cry scale that it is it's one of those things I didn't necessarily, I didn't actually cry in this one. I did. Part of it, too, of from, like, some of the Disney message boards that I'm in and that kind of thing, that it, because it's such a very specific story of, because mm-hmm. it's based off of what the director, he went through in his childhood of, like, losing his father very young and dealing with the older brother and all of that, that the main things, if you didn't get to know your dad that's going to highly affect how you view the story. And yeah. also if you, if you aren't as close with your sibling as you would like to, that, that mm-hmm. definitely affects it. And so that I know I'm super lucky that my sister is my best friend, that that's something of that I bring into it, that I don't have that, like that hurt in that sore spot mm-hmm. that I, I know some people were talking about of like specific scenes are like yeah that broke me and where I didn't necessarily have that sweet spot where 
Pixar went in for the kill, it wouldn't affect me the same it would others. But I respect of just, it's a great story to be told because there are a lot of people who deal with that. Right. And so... And I mean, I did cry. I did. But I cried very briefly at the end. Whereas on something like where I literally couldn't breathe when I watched Coco because I was sobbing so hard. So it's like it's on the lighter side of things um, in terms of crying. But like, you know, when you go into a Pixar movie, you're going to have that emotional aspect touch. But you are also going to have that levity to it that's going to bring out the humor and it's going to have those funny moments and you know that there is that nice happy medium between the two that make that is what is like the crowning achievement of pixar they they know when to be funny and then they know when to be like to to get real and that's why i think these movies are so successful because they have that heart and they have that warmth but they also have that like hilarity to them as well also that their humor is never stupid no and that is a very important thing although i mean there are some things in like (laughs) like in the first toy story where he's like uh i mrs nesbitt now like that's stupid but for the most part their jokes aren't like throwaway like Oh, wow, they could have just written that out. Yeah, because, like, they they don't go to, like, juvenile humor to make right. it work. Because part of it is the best humor is just really where it's based on reality of just you're, like, been there, same. And that's I liked, what makes it great. And so I liked in Toy Story 3 the, when she was like, oh, no, that's just a T-Rex down the street. Don't worry about it. Like... Like she was on a dating website. Oh, that one really got me. Oh, I loved that one. But um, specifically to onward of like we were saying that moment with the workout video. (laughs) That that's that's real, and so that's what makes it hilarious. Is just because you have all these great elements, but they're still grounded in reality. Yeah, because there's, like, you get the fantasy humor and the references to, like, D&D and different stuff, but then you also get the suburban humor of just, Oh, yeah. This is the life that a good chunk of people actually deal with. Or, like, when he's driving in the car and she's like, merge. And he's like, okay, I can do this. And she's like, merge. When he's doing his driving lesson. And then he's like, I'm not ready. Like, there are so many people. Who get freaked out when they're learning how to drive when they merge onto the highway. Yeah. Like, that's real. For real. That's a real thing. And so that's where, as far as, they have, like, the different motifs of kind of showing character growth. And so one of the things in the beginning is, like, Ian was afraid to, like, drive. And so is trying to get his license, but keeps choking on the test and stuff. And so then they have like a scene that's like a big car chase where and he has to merge shenanigans that basically Barley has been shrunken down to like miniature size. So he can't drive the car. So Ian has to drive. And so he's facing his fears and like actually like giving it a whirl and doing like this big driving sequence and so it shows like the growth and everything and so um because what's interesting is it's a good take of because basically at this point of where this society and like the world building and everything everyone kind of views like even though technically having like for real magic was in their past it's just been so warped because it's probably like over a thousand years ago type thing but they just oh it's just myth and legend that that's not real and so barley's just the weirdo that's obsessed with D and like protests on weird old monuments and stuff and so um ian kind of comes into this super skeptical about the magic thing but ian's actually the one that has the gift of being mm-hmm. able to do magic and so him getting to learn these spells and things that it moves the story along but it also shows in terms of the character development of like it forces him to connect with barley and like enter his world and so just because they're 
basically such polar opposites that it's like, okay, I don't know about this thing, but apparently I'm good at it. So I need you to teach me how to like best do this. From your heart stone. Or whatever it is. Yeah. You need and to so, say it from your heart stone or heart fire. Heart fire? Is it heart fire? I think it's heart's fire. Heart's fire. Yes. You need to say the spell from your heart's fire or it won't work. And he's like, what? I don't know. I don't get it. And so, yeah, and I think, like we were just saying last episode in, whatchamacallit, the Frozen episode of just how big of a deal it was to do, like, a sister story. And now we have this now really have brother lovely story. brother story. Because the whole point at the end Which is... that I can't remember the last time. Well, because Brother Bear doesn't really count, let's be real. And, um, and it, you can't really say, like, um, The Good Dinosaur either, because that wasn't really... Because no one watched that. That's a movie that doesn't exist. Yeah, but, I saw it in theaters with the kids I take care of, and we're all just kind of like, okay. Because bringing it back, we will, will always find a way to bring this back to theme parks. Um, so, Facts. especially, like, California Adventure with, like, Pixar Pier and everything... They squeeze as many Pixar references to, like, every little Pixar thing and, like, even to little shorts and stuff that they can. There is not a single thing that references Good Dinosaur because literally no one cares. And so it's basically their one, like, singular flop. And so we just kind of, like, the history of it all, Disney, Pixar, everyone just kind of pretends that that movie didn't ever happen. So yeah. So, yeah, so this is once again another one of, like, really getting into that sibling bond because that's a huge thing that is able to relate to so many people. But, and I think that's probably what they did, why they did this is because they're like, okay, a sibling story worked really well with Frozen. So, we need to do that, but with brothers now. But because, like, the director had this specific point of view in that it is closely related to, like, his actual childhood and stuff, but just translating it into this magical setting, that it makes it real. And so that's where it's one of those things where the, like, creative intention has a good crossover in the Venn diagram with whatever studio note, memo, just business-wise side of things got sent down of, like... Okay, because you totally bet there was a memo that came out at some point of just, okay, Frozen is huge. Frozen is super successful. It's a sister story. We need a brother story because we, we need to get the boys. But then you actually have someone with a true point of view and a story to tell. And that's where it makes it, even though it just kind of corresponds nicely on the business side of things, that it's a genuine story and that the heart to it is real and that's just that one that's what makes it work yeah and not saying that that's why they created the story but i'm saying like they probably oh, why, like they probably it, like when that, that was pitched to them it. when yeah. it was pitched oh. to them they were like you know what it's worked with frozen it can work with this we think this could be just as big of a hit or you know at least a hit you know what i mean not as big of a hit because nothing's gonna be as big of a hit as frozen but you know what i mean so then it was probably in the elevator pitch you know of just to like get the green lit to like make it happen and so but that's kind of the cool thing is once you get that green light then if you have like that personal tie-in and like a actual story to tell then you get to create something really cool yeah I agree and I think this was just I think it was a really really good movie like it had that heart and like when you strip away all the magical elements to it 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 literally is just a story about a boy who is sad that he lost that he never got to know his dad and then ultimately realizes it's okay that I never got to know him because my brother stepped up when he needed to even though he was young even though he didn't have to my brother stepped up and made sure I grew up to be okay. Yeah. And like that that moment that made me cry is that when Barley comes down after he sees his dad and um uh and he like tells him like, you know, dad wanted to say he's so proud of the way you grew up and he's like, "Well, that's partly in part because of you." And he's like, "Yeah, dad said that too." Like that's what got me. Cuz that's one of the interesting things of like just honestly the sweetest moment 
is so Ian's had this whole list of things if he has just 24 hours with his dad of what he wants to do with him and because the quest keeps taking so long he keeps having to like cross stuff off and is just getting more and more upset by that of not getting that time but that he just kind of comes to realization of just kind of re-looking at that list of just realizing my dad might not have been there for me in these moments, but Barley has. Like, he looks and down at his checklist and he's like, oh my god. Like, I, all of these things. Are the like, things that my brother's done for me. Exactly. And so, um, kind of bringing you back to Dan Scanlon's, like, life suite, um, another interesting point that um, he kind of brought up was, so, Rit basically in the story originally neither boy met dad the point was that you can't meet someone you lost but you can appreciate and love the people that are still with you right but quick but quickly we came up with the idea that ian would sacrifice for barley the same way that barley sacrificed guinevere his precious van for ian and so i think that's a really great story decision because it it could have been a good point just to have neither of the boys meet dad but i like that they let Barley have his like closure and resolution since they are revealed as far as when he was really like when the dad was really sick because Barley was just a little kid like he was scared seeing him in the hospital with all those tubes and everything and so um he didn't say goodbye to his dad and that he just he carries that with him basically always ironically that's an interesting parallel to Peter Quill from Guardians of the Galaxy Uh, but well Chris Pratt, say goodbye to your your sick and dying parents. But, <laughs> right. Um, basically, of just that's, I think that's what's motivating him on this quest, whereas Ian just wants to meet him. But Ian realizes as far as, like, I, I don't have these memories and that's okay, but, like, his brother needs that closure and he's done so much for him. So, like... Ian steps up and is like, okay, I'm gonna, like, sacrifice my time with Dad to make sure, like, to buy time to make sure the spell works. Yeah. And Barley's able to give that goodbye to his dad. So Ian goes off to fight the dragon by himself. And it kind of carries over that sweet moment of just that they've really developed and grow up. Like, it's a coming-of-age thing across the course of the movie that not only does their relationship get closer but like ian does get more mature to be able to make that kind of decision and not just only that but then when he sees what's happening he has the confidence in himself he pulls that like he pulls a little splinter out of his finger and he's like i could do this and he makes a staff and he does all the spells without even thinking about it and he's like i can do this i know i can do this i'm confident in myself which he hadn't been at the beginning of the movie yeah, and so it just kind of shows the like the amount of growth that he had over the course of the film. Right. And so, yeah, I was really impressed with this movie of just that it had a whole lot of heart and but it was a lot of fun and it was definitely a great world to be a part of. And so I know it's kind of gotten a mixed response from a lot of audiences, but I definitely recommend watching it as far as Absolutely. It's a great family watch and that all ages, like there's things for all ages to enjoy, but the performances really are what make it for me. And so it, it's a cute story in that it's has a lot of earnestness to it. Mm-hmm. But then these characters are what, what make it real and make it enjoyable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then like, like we are saying, it's like a lot of fun, like world building in that, um, it kind of ties in nicely at the very end of it so that you do kind of have a mixture so you have the high fantasy you have like the suburban stuff and then you kind of have like a bit of that like 80s epic like rock that kind of ties in with the fantasy elements (laughs) because he has has this van that has like you know a pegasus painted on the side of it and all of that and that he has like his epic like fantasy quest music and so that there's definitely like so on like the end credits they have this brandy carlisle song that oh. just still kind of has that same like 
nostalgic vibe to it but really speaks to the character's journey and is great and Megan has a lot of feelings about it. I do because I'm sitting there and I was like texting my sister about it and you know I had seen like my sister's reaction on Instagram or on Snapchat and you know she said that like at the end of the movie she was like you know what I am really grateful for my sister at the end of the day and that was really nice and I'm texting her about all the things that I really loved and I like hear this song I like happened to let I was letting the credits roll and I just happened to hear it and I was like oh my god this song is so absolutely perfect for this movie I mean it's just so I mean, I understand, of course, this was written specifically for the film, and so that's why, you know, (laughs) it's called, you know, Carried Me With You, which is, I mean, that's essentially the part, the whole point of the movie, and so, like, to see, ugh, it's just, it's, I'm trying to pull up the lyrics to give you, like, the perfect little post, this little moment, um, because it's so, it's just so symbolic it's like you're the soul who understands the scars that made me who I am through the drifting sands of time I got your back and you got mine like that perfectly like shows the relationship between Ian and Barley and it takes the whole movie for him to realize that but he realizes okay it's okay everything is okay because I have Barley by my side and that's something that's just so Ooh, it's just so perfect, and it's called, like I said, Carried Me With You. It's by Brandy Carlisle. If you haven't heard it yet, because I know a lot of people skip the credits, and that's cool. That's fine. I do it a lot, too. Some of the time when I'm in a movie theater, I get up and I bolt out once the credit starts, because I'm like, I either have to go to the bathroom, or I'm just, I'm ready to go home, and that's fine, but this is one of those songs that you, you should listen to. It is a beautiful, beautiful song that works perfectly with the movie it perfectly encapsulates what their relationship is like and it's just something that I think is so and it's just a beautiful song in general even if it wasn't for meant for onward it's still a beautiful song and that's what's important is that you know you have these things that Disney creates that just are beautiful standalone songs whether they're you know, something that you take with you from the movie or not. Like you have um, Reflection from Mulan. That's a song that can stand perfectly on its own as a Christina Aguilera song, but it's from Mulan. Just like this is a song that I think stands perfectly on its own, but is just so perfect for Onward. And I think that's what they do so well with the soundtracks now is that they have at least one song that stands perfectly alone. And it's definitely, it's one of those things um, with this extremely bizarre year of the NFL <laughs> cinema. Um, That's putting it mildly. Pretty much, understatement <laughs> of the year. But um, it does actually have a decent chance that I could see this one getting a Best Original Song nomination. Because it just it's musically beautiful but like the lyrics tie in perfectly to the thematic elements of the movie and it's a great vocal and all of that so um stay through the first little bit of the credits because it's it's a nice song it is it's and like i said i know how many people unless it's a marvel movie get up and jump out and run out before the credits like well, once- especially when you're watching something streaming right yeah you see the credits and you're like well i'm done here so but i just happened to let it roll and i heard it and i was like wow, this is a really beautiful song that, like, perfectly shows a bond between siblings that are very close. You know? For sure. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, so there's definitely more of, like, specific jokes and things that we could get into, but... Those are things that you can kind of discover on your own watching the movie. But that, so besides the Mighty Warrior thing, I think just to kind of wrap things up, um, besides that line, what was like your biggest laugh out loud moment in the movie? Um, Anything with the manticore, like once she like turned into like her own self. You know what? Um, <laughs> I really, I laughed a lot when 
they saw the sprites in the gas station. Yeah. I was laughing so hard because he's like, no, it's okay. You use your wings used to work, but they don't now. What are you saying about my wings? No, I'm not saying anything about your wings. I'm talking about your ancestors. What you say about my ancestors? Like anytime Barley just like dug himself into a hole. Oh, you know what I laughed out loud about? It's the part where um the cops pull them over and he does the like cloaking spell where they pretend to be their stepdad. Oh my god. That was so funny. That was so funny because he's well, like... basically it's the mom's boyfriend that they, they both hate. Which can and we so... talk about, though? The ringtone. The ringtone for when their uh, mom's boyfriend calls. It's like that a... Was, it's, it was a detail touch. Yeah, it was a nice little detail that I enjoyed. I really enjoyed that. It made me laugh. But I, I think, yeah, there was a lot of great humor in basically the juxtaposition of, like, the fantastical and the su- suburban. And so I think, especially coming from a retail background, just, the, like, basically the Manticore's descent into the breakdown is she's trying to, like, warn them off of this, like, dangerous quest and everything while also managing these customers that are, like, getting irritated about... <laughs> Um, the karaoke machine not working and they're like i'm gonna give this a one star review and then she finally just like loses it and i'm like yes <laughs> it was so funny that is what we have all wished to do at some point oh all of us some jerk customer to then if we could breathe fire and just burn everything down <laughs> that but metaphorically not literally uh, yeah not literally that, come on but yeah, just to like let loose and unleash the beast, if you will. That it's a great scene. That I love that when they're talking about like the behind the scenes stuff, they're like, yeah, the um, Octavia Spencer, like she broke a sweat as far as like it was an intense scene to record and everything. But <laughs> um, even she replied like, yeah, totally. But I had a blast doing it. And so you're, she's one of those actresses I just really love. And so, but just oh, to I see know. Her, just do something that's just fun and she's just going all Well because out for she's it. always so serious and everything. Exactly. Like And like we said, she has those funny moments, but her movies are usually not funny. <laughs> no. They're not. But I thought she was great. I thought um I loved I just I really did. I just loved it and I thought it was so great and I uh Oh man, I had a thought and it was gone. It's gone now. Yeah, so we will see as far as if Soul gets to have a theatrical release or not. I'm very interested to see that. I that saw would that be very interesting if there's not a single Pixar theatrical run if both of those get sent to streaming. Right. Of what's going to be the hierarchy in this situation. Oh yeah, because that could be an interesting tell of things and also, that might cause some behind-the-scenes drama if... Yeah. So, we'll see how that goes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> entertainment industry has a lot of big egos, and so having to manage all of those, um, especially for a new CEO, since Bob Iger dipped. I know, which I'm still... I'm still interested to hear why that happened. I don't know. Well, we can kind of all read between the lines on that one now. Yeah, but, but... I wish they had like a... Mm, like a... I want an answer from them. Well, you're you're never going to get a I real know that, for a very long but time. But let me have dreams. It's one of those where you wish their like, E-True Hollywood stories were still a thing. But, oh, yeah. anywho... One last little rabbit hole digression for y'all, just because. Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. Oh, yay. We we made it back. It's just really quickly. I just love that um, because I went into a deep dive of Tom Holland's Instagram yesterday because anyway, so um, because I was looking through like, you know, seeing what he was saying about Onward and everything. And he's like, this has been one of my dreams come true. Like I've always wanted to be in a Pixar movie. And I was like, oh, that makes my heart happy. I bet Tom Holland could probably be 
could probably soon take away Anika Noni Rose's title of like young, youngest Disney legend because oh for sure I wouldn't put it past him that like it happens sooner for him because now he has Pixar and Marvel mm-hmm. so he needs like a Disney original and maybe a Star Wars thing oh my god so, can you imagine him as a Disney prince though oh I die I die. You know, I I kind of wanted him to be Prince Eric, but I don't think he really. Apparently, he's not the best singer. No, so. it should have been Harry Styles, and I will die on this hill. Leave me alone. It should have been Harry Styles. I, I will die. Could have been, because it's just they they got an actual sixteen year old for Ariel. Although, once again, we'll see how much that gets pushed out. We'll see. <laughs> Bringing it back to that. We'll see how this all goes. We'll see how this all pans out. Anyway, I'm sorry. Back to your thought. Rabbit hole. Oh, just wrapping it up. Of So thanks again so much for listening to us. That um, we're going to be podcasting a lot. That um, we might move this more. We'll just kind of see how how things go. But the episodes are going to be a bit more frequent and we're going to have some more guests and a lot of fun stuff coming up. I think next up we'll be um, talking with Jen again about Lizzie McGuire. So that's going to be a fun episode getting really into it and the controversy and everything. And so we thank you so much for listening. Um, Once again, um, give us a follow on at once upon a stream on both Twitter and Instagram. And so um, we look forward to hearing from y'all and that engagement means a lot. It really and does. Likewise with those um, reviews and ratings, especially on Apple podcasts, those are huge for our visibility and we greatly appreciate it. And so thanks again for listening. Y'all take care. Stay inside. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.